0: Mornings a week we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured why not share these moments with you. Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. This is episode 59. I'm Tracy Prophet. I'm Ruth Urkiaga. And I'm Jay Prophet. And we are excited to talk this morning, aren't we, guys? Good morning. We are, because
1: I was given a challenge. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and I and, wouldn't find the answer to it. So it's kinda like we're on the bus and we're on our way to school <laughs> and we're like, Did you get the homework? I <laughs> can you help me out with the homework? Did you get <laughs> Yeah, so we're on the bus work um yeah. We en- really thoroughly enjoyed talking to Berkeley Everett last week and um at the end he gave Ruth a um a task a because I made the mistake of
1: saying, I'm not really a music person <laughs> and yeah. Berkeley said I would
0: like to say that you are a music person. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of like if someone says, I'm not a math person in in our presence, which I get, you know. Um, So how did it go, Ruth? Well, (laughs) I went to my
1: husband, who is a music person, Uh (laughs) and was like, this is my challenge. And he used words that I have heard, but I don't even know what they mean, like melody and
0: harmony and rhythm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Did he know? Did he figure it out? So the question was, like, what's unique about our theme song, theme music? What our makes music? our
1: theme song mathematically distinct? Yeah. Yes. So did Mike know? Um, not...
2: Did you let him listen to it?
1: Yeah, we listened to it again. um, More than once. And we just... He was like, well, there's a pattern. And I said, yeah, but doesn't all music have a pattern? So that doesn't make it mathematically distinct. And so then we... I did this zigzag thing with my finger and he was like okay Mm -hmm. and you know he wasn't really into let's talk about it and it was his birthday weekend so we were doing what he wanted to do and
2: (laughs) which was not talking about your podcast yeah
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) so let's listen to it again and i'll see if i can if it'll magically come to you yeah i can think about it Mm -hmm. Saying that that sounds really different without us talking over it
2: yeah Mm -hmm. i think it i think it helps i know last week i i sat down and listened to it several times and this and this is a like i don't know how long it was 36 seconds i think is how long the the file is that we use now the the song is there's a there's a version of it that i think is about two minutes long like the entire piece we just use that little clip for the intro of the podcast we don't need two minutes of music and you guys talking over it
0: all I listened right. to the whole
2: thing to see if it was like, if some part of it, not that he'd heard the whole thing, but I listened to it just to kind of get a feel for the whole piece of music. But that was it. That's I'm, I'm
0: going to admit that you've told me that what it is, and I still can't really hear it. So we're going to have to get you to tell us. So, so I think, I think it's time, right? Did something, comes, right. Did something magically come to you, Ruth, in that, that listen? Okay, tell us.
2: Well, he, um, Berkeley, you know, talked about the melody or harmony or rhythm, and and it was the rhythm. Um, every well not every but most music has a a time signature or a, or some sort of beat to it and a lot of popular music has um f- four beats per measure so you can feel if you're if you usually you can listen to music and feel where the beats are and it's
0: Ruth's laughing because she can't ever feel it is yeah, what she's I, thinking. Well, I can hear her. <laughs> she said that earlier that she
2: doesn't know where to clap in music unless she watches somebody clap and follows them, <laughs> which means she may have a hard time following the beat sometimes. But most music has, has you know a, re- repetitive beats, and a lot of times popular music gets four beats per measure. This has five beats per measure. Well, and that was one of the things that Berkeley and I talked about. It is it's It feels three plus two. And as the music goes, you, bum, 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 one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three, one, two. And I don't don't have the sheet music, so I don't know if it's written five beats per measure or if it's alternating time signatures. Sometimes they have it where one measure has three beats, the next has two, then back to three, then back to two. Um, This is, you know, trying to, you know, explain it like I would in a music theory class, Shoot. but,
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say to fourth graders. No,
2: <laughs> but it has, it has an awkward feel music with five beats per measure, whether it's three plus two or five in one measure, it is often awkward. It, it's not, it's not what you're used to feeling. And it kind of sets, not, not that it sets you un, uneasy or anything, but it just, it, it feels a little different. You're, you're, you're used to hearing even beats per measure or, you know, it's, it's speeded up and, and he was kind of also figuring out what the, whether it's one beat divided into three and then divide into two, or, you know, it's, it was, hmm. when we, what we and I were started talking about, he was saying, he's, you know, not sure what the unit of the beat is. Is it five? Is it three plus two? Is it one that's divided into three, one measure and divided into two, the next measure. Um, we, we kind of discussed it further into, you know, two people that graduated (laughs) with music degrees and went to music theory course throughout college.
0: So, but, but the cool thing about that is that it's very much part whole conversation Mm -hmm. happening there. Like what's the whole, what's the part, you know? Yeah. Do you you, you follow that much? I do. Yeah. I know the whole part. (laughs) Yeah. So wait, can we, can we listen to it again? And you like... Because even when you said that, I'm trying to, like, say one, two, three, four, five in my head, and I can't really find it.
2: Do 1, Well, I'm
0: asking, can you say it?
2: Because <laughs> oh, I've okay. tried.
0: <laughs> can you say it over top of the music for sure. us? Okay, try it.
2: 1,
0: Kind of hear it that time, and
2: Thanks. you can hear there are strings. I don't, I can't tell whether it's. I think it's a cello, but it could be viola, and they're plucking the strings. Bloom, 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 bloom. And that's what you can listen to. To to they are they are hitting that keeping the beat that meter. Okay. um So every time you listen to the podcast, <laughs> every forever, time I listen to and my my ever podcast. and ever, I'm in. Listen to that part and see if you can hear.
0: Ruth, it. you got any reflections on that? <laughs> One two three. One two. <laughs> okay, good. So you got something <laughs> out of it. Go. All right. Um, I have to say, so uh, two episodes ago, I talked about um, my thing that I wanted to do more of in 2020 was to. This is gonna. This is gonna connect back. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> that I wanted to do more reading, and I mentioned how my some of my running friends had roped me into a Jane hair book club <laughs> what in the world <laughs> and um so i just want to make it say... sound like they like
2: knocked you over tied you up well they kind of did forced you to read they, the book. they did
0: that's how it went down for sure um, <laughs> it was a mugging
2: It yeah. <laughs> wasn't.
0: <laughs> um so i i read the first half over christmas break it took a lot of hours um and we had the book club. Was it just last week that that happened? Or was it two weeks ago? I, I got to tell you, too. I told no, my it was
2: just last week.
1: Um, Bible study friends that you were doing this Jane Eyre book club. And they don't know you very well, but they know that we are similar and that yeah. we like math. Uh-huh. And one of them was like, oh, is she doing it with so-and-so? Because she's written a whole book about it. And I'm like, no, this is just... One of her running friends, and sure enough, you yeah. are like in this group with this college professor who has written a whole entire series, yeah, of, or a whole entire book on Jane Eyre. So it wasn't just like the neighborhood book club. Yeah. This is like totally
0: English people. Yeah. So
1: I'm super proud of you. Tell us about
0: so. How it went. So I just have to say that I, I there were eight people. I was one of eight. And I sat down and they were like, okay, time to introduce ourselves after we got our coffee. And the first three people were like, so my name is so-and-so and and I teach English here and I'm an English professor here and I was an English major here. And so it comes to me and I'm like, not an English major, not an English (laughs) professor. I like math. (laughs) I pretty much said it like that. I made the
2: mistake of befriending (laughs) some English professors.
0: Um And so I was trying really hard not to be too self-deprecating because I know that that's also not cool. But I just kind of wanted to lay it out there that I was way outside of my comfort zone. Um,
2: that I was here in a listening capacity only. Yes,
0: <laughs> yes. Um, it was hard, y'all. Like, I mean, these people are gracious and very kind. And I, I was the only person who had never, that basically didn't know how it ended. You know, some of them, one lady was like, yeah. Saying to the lady across the table who was her professor in college, um, I pretty much read most of it when I was in your class, <laughs> like basically <laughs> saying that she didn't read the whole thing. Um, but they all knew how it ended. And so they were being very kind not to like tell give away the ending. I still don't know the ending because I'm not still not done. I know. Um, we only had to read through half. So that's what I did. Right. Um but it was it was really intimidating. Like Jay's advice ahead of time was make sure you talk early, say something at the beginning That's that right. you know, you know, s- throw something out there. And the first question, I was like. Oh, crap! I was supposed to read the foreword. I didn't. I didn't even know that was important. I thought. I thought that you just skipped that part. And then I'm like, "Dang!" Even if I had read it, I wouldn't understand a word of it. Like,
2: so she tapped out from minute one,
0: a hundred percent out. And then I'm like, I, I mean, I had. Ca- there were all kinds of emotions, y'all, that were happening because of that. Like, I literally wanted to burst into tears. Yeah. Because I was so like, I should not be here. I don't know. I don't know the words that they're saying. I barely got the story and here they are like talking about it 10 levels deeper than you know the story and so i made it through i did not burst into tears inside the book club you can read into that how you want to <laughs> um
2: <laughs> inside the yeah book
0: club. like in inside the coffee house coffee shop um but i just left thinking about that's how people feel when they have a like a math Fear or math phobia or whatever you might want to call it like I realized I ex- w- experienced the exact same thing that people have experienced with me in PLC's learning about math like there's a I can think of a particular time where a teacher just shut down and I was like we're not doing anything hard here you know like I'm thinking in my head like mm-hmm. suck it up this isn't hard you know and you're not even talking about students
1: like you're talking yeah. about teachers yeah. who are responsible for giving
0: this information and they still have that crippling fear. Yeah. yeah. She but didn't, she didn't cry, but she was, you could tell she was like one second away from it. She just stopped talking. She, her body language changed. And I'm like, that's exactly what I did. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, like it's a defense mechanism and it's, and you're inside your head, like saying all these things bad to yourself about how dumb you are. And so. If nothing else, Jay Jay talks about how not empathetic and sympathetic I am. So maybe this experience can help me flex my empathy muscles a little bit. Maybe. You know, what were you going to say? Either one of you.
2: That reminds me of my freshman year of college. And I, you know, was in the honors program in high school and was, you know, graduated not at the top of my class. I wasn't, you know, the valedictorian or anything, but I did pretty good. Um, I did pretty well. (laughs) Uh Grammar Uh wasn't my top thing. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so I was, you know, in honors classes, this and that. And so I went to college. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do the honors program. Sure. And I got to my, I did honors English. was the first honors course I went to. I got in there and it was similar. Like I had a professor who, you know, I don't even remember the professor's name at this point, but similar to the one you guys were talking about at this, at this club or this book club, you know, was... Like one of the nation's foremost authorities on the um, poet and author D. H. Lawrence, which I didn't know before I went. I recognized some of the titles that he wrote, but I, you know, I was not. And it was like boom! Right away, we're talking about D. H. Lawrence and like in depth, thick talking about. And I'm like, like you oh should my already word. known something, yeah. And so, and part of this course was we were reading this man's yet to be published biography of D. H. Lawrence, and. You know, analysis of his works. Let's just say that was my first F in college, y'all. <laughs> I, I bailed. I was like, I made, I was like, my stubbornness was like, I've got to go through this. I've got to do this. You've got to. And about halfway through the course, I realized, you know, I was taking 20 credits and the music classes were more important. And I just stopped going to English. And
0: you did graduate. Let's just. I did graduate. I yeah. graduated
2: with a pretty good. Uh, pretty good, uh, grades, but this one, um, yeah, it was, it was terrible. Yeah. And I'm sure the class was great for people that were into it and were ready for that. And, you know, literature was their thing and, and, but I was not, Yeah, it was not for me.
0: And so people have that same thing about math. Mm -hmm. Did you, did you want to add something?
1: I just remember being in college or being finished with high school, like, passing algebra two, never getting anything above a C on any test Mm -hmm. and knowing that I either wanted to be a nurse or a teacher Mm -hmm. and thinking to myself, look at what the requirements are for nursing. I have to take three math classes. I can't do that. Hmm. And I chose education. And then for education majors back when I was in school, it was called Math for Teachers. Like, that was the college class. Yeah. And I don't I don't remember anything specifically about that class, but I remember thinking, wow, that was really hard. You know, like, if I had to take something that wasn't classified as Math for Teachers, <laughs> I probably wouldn't pass
0: it. Yeah. So, I'm going to put a challenge out there, if you're listening, that...
2: Well, if they're not listening, they don't know about the challenge.
0: Yeah, well, what ifs? <laughs> Um, But, you know, maybe ha- try that experience, like get somewhere completely outside your comfort zone where you're trying to learn something that's brand new to remind yourself what it feels like to be a student or a teacher, depending on who you work with. If you work with students, you know, reminding yourself what it's like to be in that spot of, I can't. You know, I can't do this. Yikes, this is hard. Mm -hmm. Um, And then for those of you who work with teachers um, on math, like experiencing that same
1: thing. So I'm going to maybe put you on the spot. But is there something that one of those ladies could have said to you or done in that moment or in that book club Hmm. that would have calmed you or made you feel like you could do this?
0: I think I was so emotional, which is an odd thing for me to say about myself, right? <laughs> um, that maybe in that moment, no. But both of my—I have two friends in that, like two people that I know really well, and they were safe places to ask questions before and after. So I—I I would text. I have been texting them beforehand. And I would ask questions that I was like, I probably shouldn't have the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Um, so that was good. So I guess knowing there's dynamics, right? When you're in a group of people, you're worried about like, if I ask this question there, I think I'm stupid. I definitely thought that. Um, there's a question that I really wanted to ask, but I was like, oh, I can't do it here. Um, so that's just it. Just being up, like following up and. Providing opportunities, that so not providing an opportunity for people yeah, for teachers I mean, to ask questions. Like I'm just trying. Okay,
2: that's my one answer. And after the fact. Yeah. In a, in a not in the heat of the.
1: Before or after. So what would have happened if the lady in charge, or I don't even know how the dynamics of the club, but what if she would have come to you as you were leaving and uh-huh. said, "Thank you for being here." Yeah. I could tell you were uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Here's my phone number. Mm -hmm. If you have any questions, I would love to answer them. Mm -hmm. Would have you felt more intimidated, like more awkward? Or would have you felt validated?
2: I could tell you felt dumb tonight. Why don't you talk to me about it?
1: I don't know. Like, I'm really trying to think about what those suggestions would be.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree. And I think it's, I think that's a, a, you know.
0: Well, I think that they, she did. You know, say something like, she used the word brave at some point. Like, it was really brave of me to be there. Um, So that encouragement was good, okay. you know. Um, but you cannot can't say that to a teacher in a PLC because right? she's not brave. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, she's required. <laughs> yeah. And now she's feeling this anxiety. Yeah. And so as a coach, because I know you and I know that you would be – completely willing to answer whatever questions she had Mm -hmm. but how do you let someone know that you really are just willing to answer their questions Mm -hmm. with no judgment do you say
0: that i don't know i mean i've had that happen like there has there's been one time where it it happened the whole like shutting down and i and i didn't follow up there was another time where it happened and i did follow up and i just said look that didn't go well. I could tell you that you were really upset and I really want to help you through this. Um, can we do it one-on-one instead of in the group because of what the group dynamics were? And, and we did it and we did. And, you know, I just said like all the words you were saying, like there's no judgment, you know, and, and it, and it went well. It took a lot of bravery on the teacher's part to say yes, though, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't have to say yes. Right at I that was, point. Right. I was just offering. And she said, yeah, come and, and show me how to do this again.
2: Um, and I think, it, I think part of it is like you said, you went, to, you gave a little space and, and then went to her
1: mm-hmm.
2: not right there mm-hmm. yeah, um, not because I great. think if you went right down, like I, you know, in the middle of it and you called somebody brave, that could, that could upset some, I mean, it's
0: condescending. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, but I think that, and I, th- I think you also build it through evidence and if, you know, the people at your school know you and have worked with you and they know, you know, enough times of, of them seeing you work with people and that you're not, and that you don't judge. And that I think building that, that relationship is an important thing. And I think that's something in classrooms that um, I've worked with teachers that have just gone above and beyond to build relationships so that students would feel comfortable coming to them and asking questions and working with them and doing things they wouldn't normally do, in a in a, in a somebody else's class, because they didn't feel comfortable with the teachers in those other classes. Right. Um, and two people specifically that I've worked with, one of which I've had that exact same thing where she shut down and just stopped responding and like went into some, you know, rescue mode or, you know, emergency <laughs> mode. And just I just had to stop and say, well, we, we can work on this again later.
0: Ooh, it's a, it's that whole fight, flight or freeze well, what's the other one I
2: don't well I've only heard fight or flight she didn't either I think it's, yeah. she just buckled down and stopped <laughs> that's why talking I thought
1: Tracy was going to make it up so <laughs> yeah. the third <laughs> fight
2: flight, or sit there and look Let's at you and don't freeze. talk yeah that's what um, I did so I think I think that that ex, you know working with somebody and and building those relationships are, are an important part of of people trusting you and being able to work with you which
0: is the whole reason why I was there because of my yeah. friends you know and I would not have been there otherwise um here I am telling people listening to just pick up something and go to you know, but go with a safe person. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Shall we move on? I think so. Let's uh, talk about some math. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, we were talking about math. There, I think. I think the 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 feelings behind it are important too. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Listen, I me. Mean, I'm growing if I'm with saying you. a statement like that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um so last week also we're. We're tying up a lot of loose ends from last week. I hope you listened to last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, last week I talked about Hannah, a third grade teacher, doing multi learning or working on multiplication, um, the, the two by two digit algorithm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really got in on the conversation before they knew the algorithm for two by two digit multiplication. Um, Shall I go back and kind of revisit where we were in case someone. Yeah. I mean, if
1: someone hasn't gotten there, I think this is a good path to start on.
0: Um, So she's done a a lot of number talking of um, what, you know, single digit multiplication. And then she had already done two by one digit multiplication. And, um, And so she was like, okay, we've got to move into the two-by-two digit. And and you might, depending on where you live, um, they might not do that in third grade, but she's doing all of third grade and half of fourth grade math because of what class she has. Um, So that's why they've got to go that far. And she – we talked about how – know she knew she didn't want to just hand them in the algorithm but she knew she wanted to work them towards the area model where you take a a erect an open array and break it up into tens and ones and name the value in each one of those Um, and I will just stop and say that if you haven't already seen the there's a really good video by James Tanton um, Stanton Tanton um, that The guy who does the... Exploding dots? Yes. Okay. um, About him explaining why we need the area model and why it's really good. Uh, Oh. He's got, like, several different um, reasons. Really great video. So I'll link that. Um, But that's where she wanted to go with them in, in third grade, working on fourth grade math. And one of our really interesting discussions... I didn't talk about this yesterday. She wanted to start with a word problem... And it was about like collecting canned foods or something, like lots of different classrooms collecting lots of different canned foods. And she wanted to start there with a context, which is great. Like, yes, that's where we should start instead of, hey, everybody, let's multiply 34 times 27. Here's how you do it. She was going to do a context. Um, But our conversation ended up taking the route of if this area model is where we want to go for our long-term, that's where we want to land, then picking our first context to be a groups-of kind of problem that doesn't necessarily lend itself to any kind of array arrangement Mm -hmm. was sort of a detour, you know? And she, like, I kept saying it's fine to start there, you know, but they they weren't going to do anything that was going to lead them, I thought, towards the array. So that was a really... I didn't start off thinking that, but we kind of got there because of our hmm. conversation. So we were like, let's find two by two digit arrays and have them do this whole breaking apart. Like, what smaller problems can you see inside the two by two digit array? So I only had one at that point, which was that it's a page of gem stickers, G E M, gem stickers. Um, they're tiny and I got it from the Dollar Tree and it's arranged on the paper, um, 12 by 18, which is 216. And so we, she was like, do you think we can find more? So I went to the dollar store, um, and I had all this money from counting collections grant that I got I think I've talked about. Um, I still had some money left to spend and I have lots and lots of collections for, the younger grades, but what I had gathered so far for the upper grades, like grouped collections and arrays and all that stuff wasn't too many. So I knew I could spend some of my money on that. So I just went to the dollar store and was like, what's an array? What's an array? Or what can I <laughs> arrange into an array? And I didn't think I was going to find very much, but I ended up finding a lot of things. Um, I found small Lego base plates that are 16 by 16. Oh, the little dots? Yeah. Um, so the pips, not what you probably call them maybe on, you're not even listening over there, guy who's got the vocab. <laughs> <laughs> I know a pip from yeah. Jay is what this circle on a dice is called. So is would
1: that you... also on a Lego?
2: Um, I wouldn't call them pips, you No, know? I don't know what, th- I'm sure Lego has an official term for Peg. them. I don't know. But I don't. Yeah. Dots, whatever.
0: <laughs> um, I found, um... I don't know, all kinds of, I found some sticker, some like washi tape that I thought I was going to arrange and it had like, it they're had, called studs, studs. Ooh, studs. Okay. <laughs> got it. Um, I found washi tape that had des- repeating designs on it that I thought I was going to like make into an array. That didn't work out so well. Um, <laughs> I found, like I talked about last week, these, um, foam squares that connect together and they're Hmm. much smaller than we have seen them before Um, and I found books of word searches and books of crossword puzzles and inside they're arranged in regular arrays clearly the in a word search the letters are so I bought a bunch of stuff took it to Hannah and they like I talked about last week they she handed them the a re- the page of stickers, and they did whatever they wanted to do to to divide them up and into, into parts and then name the parts. Um, and the math was awesome. And I've, I'll link to a tweet where I kind of talked about some of that that they were doing. The next day, they took those linking foam pieces that I had and made a big array on the carpet, and um, they broke it up into the tens and ones like each factor up into tens and ones. So, and then she like laid little note cards on each page and on each part. So here's the 10 by 10, here's the 10 by six or 10 by five and whatever down at the bottom. Um, Then she gave them, so basically kind of making the point that we can break it up in lots of ways, but if we're working towards being able to work on big numbers, the tens and the ones is eventually going to be um, it can it will be efficient. Might not like we talked about with Berkeley. Might not always be the most efficient way. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know it's going to work. I mean, that's why it's an algorithm, right? Because it's it's always going to work. Um, that's a tricky thing about this, right? Is that you want to push them towards something that's going to work for the hardest numbers? I mean, that's really where arg- algorithms are useful, right? It's the hardest numbers, but there are plenty of times where it's not the most efficient way or the Mm -hmm. easiest way. Anyway,
2: I guess I always thought of algorithms as like the, the definition of how something works or like the, the ultimate explanation or how to make something work. But I realized that I learned algorithms my whole life, but it didn't, didn't define how stuff works to me. Yeah, It was just like the instructions to follow that will always pan out.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to say. I, you know, it.
2: I always thought it was like this is the this is the understanding, but it didn't help with understanding.
0: Oftentimes, it takes it, all the it, understanding it was out. Just
2: it was just like when when nothing else works, these are the instructions that'll make it work. Mm-hmm.
0: So they did. Um, they did the base plate. I think I said that and based trying to use the tens and ones and i saw her pictures not everybody did but you know some of them used the tens and ones and then she gave them a page of the um word search book for them to do on their own as kind of like their formative assessment to see where they were so today or today i'm not sure if it's today or tuesday she's going to try bigger arrays um and that's going to be um So all the arrays they've done up to this point, still all objects, all real things. And I think it's important to realize that there are no open arrays, which means, like, you don't see every single object. Like, in everything they've done so far, you can see every single one of the units, Mm -hmm. you know, every single gem or every single letter in the word search. Um, And I kind of encourage her to do that because there comes a point where... And they they might – kids and I might not be able to articulate it, but they don't necessarily believe you. You know, they don't believe the math that's going on when they can't see every single one. And so I was kept saying, like, let's stick with seeing every single dot or every single Lego or whatever as long as we can so that they can really say, oh, yeah, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. I can see them all there.
2: What did you call that again? An open array?
0: An open array is when you – kind of like an open number line when you take away the every single one – and, and you would just have like the box without all the dots or the things on in the mm-hmm. inside. So that's an open You array. might just
1: have
2: like. Like representation. Your like-
1: base and your height, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. you just have 27 letters this way and 32 this way. How many would be mm-hmm. in
0: that whole page? Okay. Or not even those first ones, like just a box that's labeled 27 on oh, one side okay. and on the other. So um, because of that, you have to realize that like the bigger you get, the harder it is to represent every single one. It was hard to think about what can we move to that's beyond teens. Because everyone we found to begin with was a teen number and a teen number. Each of the factors were teen numbers. So now we've got to move to 20s we'll take and 30s. we yeah.
2: when you move beyond yeah.
0: teens. Yeah. So two of the things we're going to use are, or she's going to use, is a, is a big Lego base plate. So the mm-hmm. reg, like there's... Um, how big are those? About a foot by a foot? Yeah, I'd say about that. Yeah. Um and they have, I think it's thirty two studs, not pips, going it's a square on both sides. So thirty two by thirty two is one of the things they're gonna use. And then um the other thing we're gonna do is I have a bunch of dice, and I think I've talked about it before, how how a mom was like, I got this box of 600 dice. You want them? I'm like, yeah, I want them. (laughs) (laughs) And so I arranged it in an array. It's pretty cool. Um, I need to make it bigger because we realized one of my – numbers is still a teen number so oh. i put it in a box that i like cut down and got it all situated and i are like oh i gotta make it bigger all crap i hope i have enough i know <laughs> around the building i can find enough dice but
2: if you have 600 dice you have enough to go beyond teens on both sides
0: i know but i've also like put some of those dice in other places and gotcha. so you know you may not really have i know i know and i and 600 was a number i kind of like picked out of the air i think gotcha. it's anyway so so we're going to have one big array. It's very beautiful, actually, I have to say, because they're red, black, and white. I just love it. Um, we're going to have one big array, and they can't all work from that, right? So instead, they're, I'm going to take a picture of it and then give them a printout of it. So they'll be able to see it in real life in the room and look at it, um, but then they'll be working on paper. to. So there is the concrete, but but they're going to be doing representational, I guess, by having a a picture of it printed to work from. Um, One of the most interesting parts of this conversation was if they follow through with the splitting it up into tens and ones, then they're going to end up with 20. They're going to have to figure out 20 times 30. And she was like, what are they going to do? I don't know. You know, when we get when they have to solve 20 times 30, because we all know because we learned an algorithm that, remember, we taught it, right? Where you suck up the zeros and you multiply two times three and then you spit the zeros back out. We had this, what was that? Didn't we, wasn't that you? Or some kind of wand? Maybe that was somebody else. That was some kind. Judging by her face,
2: I don't think it was her. Yeah, Yeah,
0: I had decimal dog. Okay, yeah. And that was
1: just unnecessary zeros with the decimal. Yeah,
0: well, somebody somewhere was like, Take your magic wand and suck up the zeros, and then multiply the two the two front numbers, and then put the zeros back on with your magic wand. Unnecessary. Um, Yikes! So, so we we know that shortcut. But what are third graders who don't know an algorithm, beautiful, gonna do with twenty times thirty? And um, well, what do you think they would do? I've talked a whole lot. What do you guys think? How would they do twenty times thirty?
1: I don't know. Would they? Count by 20s, maybe they would end up doing 20 times 10 times 3.
0: Okay.
2: I would do it. I would have done it the other way. What would you do? 30 times 10 times 2. Because, like I talked about last week with Berkeley, my brain tries to split something in half so that I can put it right second so multiply it by 2 instead of having to multiply it by 3 to get okay. out of it. But I, same, I mean, the same idea. I would have just sort of done the other the other side.
0: I went to the visual and said they 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 have this, you know, 20 dice going or 30 dice going across the top, 20 dice going down. If they split each one of those into 10s, then they're going to have oh. a group of 100, a group of 100, a group of 100 on the top and another row of 100, 100, 100. They can see 600 right there. That's how my brain was like, oh, 600, you know. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, especially if in. you're
2: working with an array that they're looking at physically see them spread out like that makes mm-hmm. it, that does make sense
0: and hopefully they can draw the lines and see all the hundreds in, in it um so i'm really excited to see what they do with that huge one yeah um
1: so my brain is going to this couple students i have in my class who just are always above they're always ready for the next thing and mm-hmm. i was thinking about two things the first thing is maybe you ask those students if they had access to that to those dice, not in an array. They could just count all the pips. How many pips are on your whole big number? Like that's just your challenge after you've Whoa. done. Whoa! Because you would just figure out how many pips are on one, mm-hmm. and multiply it by how many dice you have. Yeah, which. So, at that point, they would have to take that, what they know it about the array, and they would have to, you know, I don't know if
2: they'd uh, model it. I thought you meant it or... how many pips were, like, on the showing face.
0: Oh, no, no, oh, no. Dang, Just that's a
2: lot of figuring.
0: Yeah. I don't know if they would have any access to that. I mean, that's a fantastic. It's 21. Thank you. <laughs> You're giving me away. <laughs> I was figuring it out. <laughs> so, they have to do 21 times,
2: let's say, 650, whatever. Every opposite sides of a dice are seven, and there's three sets of opposite sides.
0: Yeah, I was getting there. Look, I was pairing them, you I know. I saw that.
2: That's what I was, you know.
0: Um, they might, because 21 is not, because it's like 10 and 10 and one more. They mm-hmm. might could do that, you know. I don't know. That was the first thing. That's and then cool. the other
1: thing, you were talking about your washi tape. Yeah. You were going to make an array. Yeah. I Do you still have that? Because that would be a really cool counting collection if you... Could figure out how many of your dots or whatever on your washi tape are in, like an inch, Uh and then measure your washi tape whether you tell them how many are in it or they actually unroll it. I don't know. I think that whole counting collection thing, so don't throw that away because it didn't work for an array. Yeah. I think it might still work for a counting collection. Is that a multiplication or division problem? It's a counting problem. How many dots are on this roll of washing tape? It's just, it's not a multiplication. It's just one okay. of your accounting collections. And and how do you do it? How do you figure out how many dots are on there? Yeah. Because you could unroll the whole entire thing. <laughs> and count them. And, and count them. <laughs> right? I don't, I don't know. Yes. I just.
0: Okay. Cool. Turns out the tape was um, ripped real easily, which is why I kind of gave up on it pretty quickly. Oh. Yeah. I also found these tiny, this like ribbon that was made up of lots of tiny little gems, um, and I was gonna make a big array, and I actually made it, but they're so hard to see by the time you mm. get it done. That anyway. So on that tweet that I, that th- thread, I put pictures of all the things that you're you know, if you go right now to the dollar store, they all have this pretty much the same thing, so you might find some stuff. So all right pretty excited Excellent. pretty excited about um what's happening in her room you know like it's it's the right it's it's she's on point with what's happening in there okay um i'm also feel like this is me talking a lot today but you know <laughs> it is what it is <laughs> um <laughs> what no nothing okay so um another unit that i'm going to be working with Based on some conversations we talked about this week in their PLC, I'm going to be talking about numberless word problems with them because I've mentioned it, but I haven't, like, taken the time to really dive into what's happening there, and then pairing that with the different problem structures or problem types that exist um, for addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. Um, So... I realized because a teacher asked me, "Do you have a podcast or an episode about numberless word problems?" I realized I think we've mentioned it a lot, but we haven't like from start to finish talked about what that right. looks like. So um, I'm gonna point you to Brian Bushart's. I think that's how you say his last name. I mm-hmm. don't know. Um, website. We'll we'll put that on the podcast um, because really he does a really thorough job of collecting all of his resources about numberless word problems in that one place. But why don't we, I'll, I'll practice and you help me fill in. (laughs) Um, so he explains that when you have, when you do a numberless word problem, you're going to start with a problem that you want to, you want to have, you want them to solve. Um, let's work, let's make up one. So, one. let's make up one for order of operations because ah! that's where I am today. <laughs> okay. Ah! Great. All right, <laughs> tell me. I'll I'll write it down. So Don't make it too many steps. I don't think it's going to be too many steps, but
1: I think if you you approach your students with a task without any numbers.
0: So, but I'm saying to you the way he's written it, he starts with a problem in mind. And works his way back to the starting point like i'm I'm also working on the writing of the of the process of the numberless word problem, maybe we're interpreting it differently I think
1: so because doesn't he start with i mean i'm I'm almost positive that his first problem is there are boys and girls in a class, and
0: there are more boys than girls, like I think. Yes, but, but to create that, it has come from a place that you know where you're going. Okay, so a place that,
1: so for me, my word problem is, I have some money, I bought some
0: things, how much is my change? But I want you to tell me the final me to, problem first. With the numbers? Yeah, so that we okay. were going kind to, of, like, I'm thinking backwards design, the, what's the test? And then we're going to go backwards. Okay, I have
1: $30. I bought two $5 notebooks, a $3 pencil pouch, and a $1.50 pack of pencils. What's my change?
2: Do you want the answer?
0: No. Okay. Not yet.
2: Fine. You already have the it? answer. Yeah,
0: the answer. <laughs> okay. Yeah, tell us. Fifteen
2: fifty.
0: Okay. Good job. I haven't checked you. <laughs> um. Okay. So.
2: So how'd you do that, Tracy?
0: How'd I do what?
2: That problem. The steps. How'd you do it?
0: Um, I haven't done it yet, but I would. Multiply two times five because there are two five dollar notebooks. That's ten dollars.
2: So you wouldn't subtract five twice. You would put the fives together and subtract ten once.
0: I would get all the the amount that I'm going to spend and then subtract because I only want to subtract once.
2: Oh,
0: you want to subtract a bunch of times. Yep. Okay.
2: Now so for that, I would I would have doubled the fives and subtracted ten instead of five and then five again. Mm-hmm. But I subtracted each each one. Live as she was saying it.
1: Okay. Live as I was saying it. Yeah. But if I had written it out and given it to you, would have you
0: done that same if thing? If I were
2: sitting in math class, I probably would have, yes, summed all of the ones that were there and then subtracted it once.
0: Okay. What, are you, what are you thinking? Add it all up first. Right.
1: Because yeah. it's order of operation. So I want them to know to put all of that in the parentheses and start your problem with 30 minus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah okay.
2: That, that does make sense because... I was fairly certain you were going to say, you weren't going to say, oh, and then I found 275 in my shopping cart. And Uh-oh. then my total multiplied by six. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's not, a,
2: you know, the, you, because it was a real world problem, I didn't think, yeah. you know, it was right. going to go crazy.
0: Okay. I realized that if someone is listening to this and they don't have a clue what we're talking about with numberless word problems, we got off track at the very beginning. So let me set up the big idea first. And that is that. There were
2: definitely numbers in that word problem. <laughs>
0: I know. I know. This is why I'm, uh, I know that we're, I'm practicing. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> I need to work on my order of how I'm going to talk about this. So. When you use the numberless word problem routine, like Ruth was trying to describe, at the beginning of this, you give them a scenario that doesn't have any numbers in it, hence the word numberless word problems, Um, like without any, and they just talk about what they know, what they understand, and then you add a little tiny bit into, on the next slide, you add a little tiny bit in. And they talk about what's changed in the word problem mm-hmm. and what they know now. And then you add a little bit more. And each time you're adding some information about the values or the quantities or whatever. And by the time the last step before the the entire thing is there is that you have all of the story. You have all of the values or the quantities. And then you say what could we what could the question be or what could we ask or what could the question be asking us so before the question is ever presented and in this case your question is how much change do you get back or how much change do you have or whatever Um, but often by that point they've made the question you know and then finally you present the, the final thing they probably already know how to solve it and then you solve it so the point of this being that they have to focus on the context And the story and what's actually happening because there's not actually any question or numbers. We all know we've seen kids like, oh, there's some numbers in a word problem. Let's add them, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and that it it takes away their ability to do that at the beginning. So they have to pay attention to the story.
1: And I think like even presenting a problem like this to students, there's a lot of assuming that they have seen their mom pay with cash and receive change when we live in a technological society that parents could just like pay with their phone or always pay with a debit card. Mm-hmm. And students don't even see that interaction yeah. of I had some cash. I bought some stuff. I got some money back where 10 years ago you didn't have to have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And so to just say, hey, we're going to go to the store. What kind of math takes place at the store? Yeah.
0: That's true. I don't think our kids really have much under, I mean, our uh, there's not a lot of understanding of what that means. Yeah. So my son yeah. just got married and
1: he had to send me money on Apple Pay so that I could write a check to the DJ who didn't have any way of accepting <laughs> money. <laughs> Except for a check. Except for a check. So
2: Trace didn't have a checking account or checks.
1: Right. He has a checking account, but he's never had a check. Why are they still
2: called a checking account? They should call it something else now because nobody really uses <laughs> checks.
1: Um, how do you get a checking account without checks? You just get a debit card. and.
2: They, they probably give you that stupid first checkbook that has no numbers in the corner and, and nobody takes it anyway. what yeah. you're saying. And I you mean, he's him.
1: had it since he was 18, so five years, but he's not written a <laughs> check. And, you know, then Mike's like... Well, when's the DJ going to, you know, withdraw that money from when's he going to cash that check? Because we got to get it from Apple Pay into our account. I don't know. It was just very funny. Like,
2: And then a DJ that only takes checks. Wow. You guys found the perfect storm there. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) You know, he was like, I just don't have any digital way of accepting money. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, let's see what we can do about that. You know, where is our checkbook, babe? Yeah. (laughs) It's at home in the second drawer of the desk. (laughs) I mean, we don't carry it, you know, (laughs) where before you would have a checkbook in your purse. You probably
2: have a mighty nice little uh, folding um, holder thing for your checkbook, you know, designer with.
1: Because checkbook
0: covers were That's right. it was important. Yeah. But yeah. It was
2: built into your mama wallet. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> Okay. So to create, to turn this into a, a numberless word problem for you, mm-hmm. we're going to step it back and I make it right in like um, Google Slides or PowerPoint and p- type it out exactly how you want it the final problem, and then work backwards, copy and paste, and go backwards up so that you're taking away things. So the first thing you're going to take away is the question. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I bet the next thing you would take away might be either the price or the how many you bought. Right.
1: So I would, right, you would take away the price. Okay. And then, then you would take away how many you bought.
0: Yeah. So so so
1: by that point, it's gonna. Do you want to say what it's gonna sound like? Well, I think it's gonna start with. I have some money, and I went to the store. So that would be my first conversation. What kinds of things? What do you wonder? Maybe you're gonna wonder. What kind of store I went to. Maybe you're going to wonder how much money I had. Maybe you're going to wonder what I bought. Those are all really important okay. things. Okay. So then on your next slide, it's going to say I have $30. Well, now.
0: Wait, you- wait but in if we're following his format, let me just clarify that it's going to say, I, now it'll just say I have $30. I went to the store. So you, you're you really keeping the same word mm-hmm. um, order and format and they are just replacing, instead of, I have some money, you put, I have $30 right there. I think that's important, that the the structure of the... Of, of the, the words th- stays the same. Yeah. I would agree. Okay, keep it's kinda going. It's kind of like right. word
2: problem ad libs. Right? Yeah,
0: kind of. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So,
1: I have $30 and I went to the store. Well, now, what do you know? Well, you know I didn't go to buy a new car. Yeah. You know... I didn't go to buy a week's worth of groceries. Right. So I probably didn't go to the mall to buy a dress. Mm -hmm. Those are the kinds of things that you're, the students are
0: noticing. Um, Which a teacher might think, like you might say why, you might not understand why you're doing that. But in Word Problems, we kids and everybody gets to the point where they just, Take it out of real life, and you start to get these answers that don't make any sense. And this could end up being a "how many of these can I buy" kind of problem. We don't know that right now, um, but this pauses you and causes you to think about the thirty dollars and make that have a real life context. And and I think
2: oftentimes any type of I don't know. I'm not just not just math, but if you give it whatever you're trying them to. Trying to get students to learn, if you give it a story, if you give it a real setting, if you give it reality, they're, they're able to connect to it.
0: Yeah.
1: Which I think is really, I don't even know the word I want to use. But we talk about how students thrive when they're provided, they're given a task at the beginning of a unit. And that's the best way to do it. But then you give them a word problem during the unit and you still have those shutdowns. Mm -hmm. like this is a word problem this is really hard i can't do it yeah and a lot of teachers use the strategy well here make a list of everything you know but a lot of times students don't even know what they know because they haven't gone slow enough to really think about it yeah and when you don't have the numbers in front of you now you might get a student who uses that strategy what do you know well i know you're not going to Buy a whole week's worth of groceries. Mm -hmm. I know you're not going to buy a dress because you only have $30. Yeah. So what kind of store might I go to? Now I have more things that I can know because we've had that conversation. So after I have $30 and I've gone to the store, then I might tell you that I bought two
0: notebooks, a pencil pouch, and some pencils. Or maybe even you could or you could say i bought some notebooks a pencil pouch and a something so that we have to have this conversation mm. about repeated addition with something which would be the notebooks before we ever put it out before we put them out the number out there that's would you, good
1: would you do that step or no i would so i bought some notebooks i bought a pencil pouch and i bought some pencils so now we can have that conversation of which ones of these are repeated edition, hmm. right? Is some pencils going to be repeated edition? And someone might say, I don't know, they probably would sell them by pack. Or did you yeah. buy them from a pencil cup at the counter? Yeah, that's good. You know? And so there's that word. And there's the reason that we don't say, well, if you see some, you know, you're going to have to ha- use repeated edition. And if you see A, then that means you're going to just add it once. Those are the kinds of things that teachers want to, Explain away, mm-hmm. and sometimes you're explaining wrong. Yeah, so all right. So then, so then you're going to put them in that you have two notebooks, and a pencil pouch and a pack of pencils. Pack of pencils. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think on the next slide we would say. Maybe the next slide would be a picture of
0: those items with price tags. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's often how it's presented in a problem on an assessment Mm -hmm. is like, use this price chart or use this picture. Yeah, that's good.
2: Hmm. Picture with really old school, like string tied price tags hanging off (laughs) the pencil. Yep.
0: Uh, we're all picturing that. Yep. Okay. That's good. I like that. Then you don't have to change the structure again one more time of your word problem. Mm-hmm. You just have this additional image you have to look at. And then... And so at this point, you know how
1: many I've bought and you know how much they cost. And mm-hmm. so this is where you say, what what can you figure out? Mm-hmm. What, you know What could the question be? What could the question be? The question could be, how much money do you have left to go to the pet store on your way out? How much money did you spend... How much more did you spend on notebooks than you did on pencils? There's a lot of different questions that you could answer because of this. What were you
0: thinking?
2: You I mean, she said go to the pet store. And in our life, we only go to the pet store for one thing. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> to buy frozen mice. <laughs> to buy frozen mice. For our
0: snake. <laughs> and so I was thinking,
2: how many frozen mice could I buy with the change? <laughs> how many, Jay? About two packages.
0: Okay. Which is 12 mice, right? Yeah. Okay. There now you know friends now you know <laughs> Um this is good and by that point they most of them have all the steps they know what to do and they're just like okay let us solve it mm-hmm. Um I will say I like in on um Brian's website how he's kind of gone through several iterations of how he's thought about this and now he or I think this is the most recent says that you know oftentimes the like you mentioned, the context might not be familiar to them, the, the context that you've chosen for it. And so he puts up a picture as a notice and wonder first um, to kind of just get people talking about the context. So maybe it's just a store, hmm. you know, um, or a wallet or something to, to get us talking. And then takes the picture away for when the fir- beginning of the word problem starts because you don't want them thinking that there's some sort of numerical information in the picture. Gotcha. Um, and then at the end, by the time he's worked his way all the way to the end, he ends with some sort of short video related back to the context. Um, and mainly, like, we've worked so hard at this, this this video is like our, woo, we did it, our, our reward. Um, so it, your kids might not need that. But I liked that kind of formula of starting with an image, working your all, way all the way through and ending with a something fun. Is it end. a video that he makes? No, it's just like, okay, so we did, like if it was one about, oh, what did I do recently with another teacher? Um. Well, like if it's like about crayons or something, then you go online and find the how it's made video and show like 30 seconds of how the crayons are made or oh, slime gotcha. video. If it's about making slime, you watch uh, 30 seconds of somebody doing something slime-ish.
1: So watch 30 seconds of someone shopping. That would be fun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, you could find like Shop to You Drop or something. Oh, that's You fine. know, yeah. this, this silly show that we used to watch in the olden days. <laughs> Okay, um, so in in the few minutes we have remaining, um, I need to relate that to the problem types because I need to draw our our teachers' attention back to every addition problem is not a join problem. Every subtraction problem is not a takeaway problem. Um, and there are these beautiful charts in the in our pacing guide that people just keep skipping over. So how do I, what do I do while addressing numberless word problems? This might be an impossible task, but how do I, how do I wait?
1: I don't think so. What if you gave them numberless word problems and they matched, they had to decide whether they were addition, subtraction, multiplication, or division, and then they had to match them to the types of problems. If your numberless word problem was I had some, and you had some. How much more do you have?
0: That's a subtraction comparison problem. There you go. Or comparison difference unknown or something like that. I forget the actual name of it. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think if you started with those word problems and you just had them work together and match them, I thinking now, I don't think you could match a numberless word problem because difference unknown you know in that word problem I particularly gave you everything's unknown oh I see what you're saying but if it was I have 16 and you have 20 how much more do you have and so you pick those and then you say let's talk about how this particular problem I have 16 you have 20 could as a numberless word problem turn into Addition, it could turn into subtraction. How would a student know it's not going to be multiplication
0: mm-hmm. if
1: I have sixteen and you have twenty unless I give you some more information? So I think just uh that's what I did when we went to that math conference. Um, it was someone from the State Department, and they were all integers. And so I had to read the problems as positive and negative numbers and match them to
0: the right place on okay. the chart. And I've done that before too, the matching. And I think that that causes you to talk about the structures. It causes you
1: to talk about the structure. It also just causes you to think, there's a whole lot of these. Yeah. You know, like there's a whole lot of different ways to write a subtraction problem. Yeah.
0: Okay. I'm going to do that. Can I go back a couple steps mm-hmm. and ask if you use this shopping story today Tell us about the very last step that has to do with order of operations. Like what? So
1: obviously you can solve it. Okay. But I want you to be able to write it. And in sixth grade, a lot of students, because the last step is 30 minus the total, Mm -hmm. they write minus 30 at the end of the order of operation problem. I see. And I want you to know we have that whole order of operation, but whatever the total was, 1450 minus 30, isn't the problem that
0: you're solving. Yeah. Okay. So I want you to just be able to write it. Write the whole, all that happened as an expression. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I think we will, um, thanks for the feedback on that. And I think we will end with takeaways. So, well, there you go. I just, created my
1: lesson for today so that's my takeaway all right good (laughs)
0: check how about you jay do you have a takeaway i don't really have one really Really. okay all right well my oh i see i always use your talk well your talking time to figure out my takeaway confession um i guess my takeaway is that the problem types conversation doesn't have to be to, like I have to do I it doesn't have to be too scary like it can be as simple as here's the chart here are some examples let's see if you can match them and and they can um glean a lot just from just from and I think it's important
1: them. that they know that that is just for them it's not important that the students know what kind of problem they're solving yeah there, there were some teachers at that conference who were talking about doing this in their classroom and we needed clarification that a student just needs to know it's a subtraction problem, mm-hmm. not that it's the unknown difference or that it's a takeaway problem. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, To call it by name. I mean, a student can know that, but it's not important that they... Yeah, They're not going to be tested on, can you write sure. the kind of problem this right. is. Right. But
0: I do think that...
1: You can use those vocabulary words. I do. I think yeah. that,
0: like for there are certain kinds of problems that are pretty common and and drawing students attention to look both of these are subtraction we're comparing mm-hmm. in this one and we're taking away in this one um or separating or whatever but they're still subtraction i think i agree with you don't make them name them but 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 you calling them something different and pointing out that difference can be helpful to students perhaps all right I guess that's it. I'll see you on a run tomorrow, tomorrow morning.